0: Hi, this is kevin Dolan, creator of marketing multipliers and you're listening to act local marketing
1: for small business act local, act local. marketing, for, marketing small for small business
0: episode, episode 154 and there's no stopping us right now i feel so close to you right now
1: welcome to act local marketing for small business with your host kaylin amadio Kaylin helps smart, savvy, and motivated business owners like you kick it up a notch online, even if you've tried and been disappointed before, or technology just isn't your thing. Act Local will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing, Act Local will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kaylin features a new tip you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. And now here's your host, digital media maven, Kaylin Amadio.
2: Welcome to Act Local Marketing for Small Business. This is episode 154, and I am the Boomer Gal, Kaylin Amadillo. Every episode of Act Local Marketing, I share a strategy that I call today's Takeaway, where I'm going to give you an action item that you can walk away with right now. And if you implement it, it's really gonna help you grow your business. And of course, I also invite a guest, an expert, to help with some aspect of small business growth. And today we return to some of the basics in small business marketing and how you can be successful with them, so stay tuned. The SBA tells us the failure rate for small businesses is around 50%. Knowing as many small business owners as I do, I can't help but believe that a big reason behind the failures is lack of good marketing practices. There is an awful lot of what I call spaghetti marketing going on in small businesses. You know what spaghetti marketing is. When you get an idea or a vendor approaches you and their sales pitch sounds really, really good and you think, yeah, this is it. This sounds great. I'm going to do it. That's spaghetti marketing. Throwing it at the wall and seeing if it sticks. No science and no data, just impulse buying and that is a good way to waste money. The other extreme is the small business owner who refuses to do any marketing because they think it's all silly or a fad. Also, an impulse rejection, no data, and no science. You wouldn't make financial decisions without hard numbers. And you need information, numbers, hard data to make marketing decisions too. Now, let's get to today's takeaway. I promised you an action item that you could take with you right this very moment, and it's gonna help you grow your business. So here it is. I read an article at silverpop.com that was titled Six Ways to Collect Data You Need to Enhance Your Marketing. Now, I'm not gonna give you the six ways suggested in the article because that's not actually the important part. The important part is the concept. It's very simple and I love it. No matter how good or bad your customer database might be, the author Ellen Valentine suggests that you decide on six pieces of information you want to have for every customer in your data database, excuse me. So six pieces of information that you wish you had, that you wish you knew about every customer. Those six things would help you relate to, service, and market to your customers more effectively. So here's an example she shares. Let's say you sell winter sports equipment like skis and snowboards and the related clothing and accessories. Valentine says valuable pieces of information for you would include an individual's sport preference, ski or snowboard, their skill level, how often they participate in their sport, the skiing or the snowboarding, their preferred mountains and venues, the locations that they travel to, their brand preferences for the gear that they use, and if they have additional family members that join them on the trips, whether or not they actually participate in the sport, right? So armed with this information, you could be much more specific and personal with your marketing messages. When you're sending emails, you can change wording on your website. You could be writing blog posts, making phone calls. There are numerous ways that you can keep in touch in touch with customers and offer them helpful information that builds your relationship because you know these six pieces of information about them that matter in terms of what you sell and how they like to use the kinds of equipment you sell. And that is exactly what your marketing should be about and the best way to spend time on your marketing tasks because the deeper the relationship with your customers, the more successful your business will be and then you'll be in the correct 50% of the SBA's data. So drop me a line to ask at actlocalmarketing.com and I can help point you toward more resources that will help you as always. And that is today's takeaway. Please connect with me. Find uh, my Facebook page, my author page there, one of my Twitter feeds. Uh, find me on Google+, any of the social media platforms that you prefer, you will probably find me there. And uh, if you will tell your social media followers about Act Local Marketing for Small Business Podcasts, You can subscribe. They can subscribe uh, on iTunes. Leave me reviews there. Those reviews are very helpful. And uh, let's see. I think it's time for a short break. And when we get back, let me look here. Yes, it appears that my guest Josh Latimer is here. And he is stepping to the front of the room. So stay tuned.
0: I feel so close to you right now
1: local is the place where busy entrepreneurs like you gain more ideas more understanding and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives them the power to bring their business to the next level kaylin returns after a short break with more strategies and techniques to develop your inner warrior we'll be right back
2: Hey, Act Local fans, this is Kaylin Amadio, and I have an exciting announcement. Today, October 7th, 2014, I'm launching a new podcast to celebrate the realization of a dream. You've heard me speak often on Act Local about the book I've been writing. Well, that book is becoming a reality. I have a contract to publish The Boomer's Ultimate Guide to Social Media. Soon, baby boomers everywhere will have all my strategies and guidelines in one swell book that'll help them build a map to social media success. To help promote The Boomer's Ultimate Guide to Social Media and subsequent books in this series, I've put together The Boomer's Ultimate Guide podcast, where boomers like me and like you can come together. To learn, share, and grow a thriving business and a vibrant life. This podcast is 30 minutes in length and comes in both audio and video formats. I interview guest experts on business, finance, health, wellness, longevity, food, sex, dating, and more. You don't want to miss this next chapter in my life because I'm going to help you live yours more fully. Check out BoomersUltimateGuidePodcast.com.
0: So close to you right now.
1: Welcome to Act Local, marketing for small business with your host, Kaylin Amadio. Kaylin helps smart, savvy, and motivated business owners like you kick it up a notch online, even if you've tried and been disappointed before, or technology just isn't your thing. Act Local will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. And now here's your host, digital media maven, Kaylin Amadio.
2: Welcome back. This is Kaylin Amadio, and you are listening to ACT Local, Marketing for Small Business. And I have a great guest this morning that I'm really excited to talk to. I was telling him before we started the interview that he's the perfect kind of guest for this show because he's, he's walked the walk. He's actually lived the life of the small business owner Succeeded and knows the secrets, and I'm going to pry every last secret out of him I can for you. So I want you to meet Joshua Latimer. Josh left his job as a banker at J.P. Morgan Chase to start a cleaning business in Michigan, which he eventually grew and sold to a California-based cleaning conglomerate back in 2015. Now he is living in Costa Rica with his four children and wife where he helps small business owners from all over the world understand the power of business systems and automation and the freedom that that can bring you. Josh is the founder of AutomateGrowSell.com, which you can find online. It's an online training platform for small local service businesses, possibly like yours, as well as being the founder of SendJim.com, which is a follow-up automation tool for busy professionals so, Josh, welcome to ACT Local Marketing.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you.
2: I'm glad that you have time for a stay all the way from Costa Rica, which I'm sure the weather is lovely. Today. It is.
0: It's it's very lovely. It's, it's early in the morning here, and it, the temperature's not out of control yet, so it's really quiet and, and great this time of the morning.
2: Yeah, I bet. I actually, I didn't tell you this, but I did a, a project once in one of my f- former careers, uh building uh a home for someone their their mansion you know in costa rica it was a wonderful project and and though i never got to actually go there the photos were fabulous it looks like a great place and he raved about it you know that's why i'm i'm a little familiar so yeah it
0: it is it's a lot different but it's really really cool the culture is amazing the people here are great very family-oriented place it's very hot um, and there are a lot of differences, but it's been a really cool adventure. I've only been here a little less than a year. Oh, okay.
2: Um, yeah, so I'm I've, still I've figuring always heard it out. great things about it. You, you are, yeah, definitely not the first American I've heard go, goes to Costa Rica to, you know, set up uh, their family living. Now, I read a, a brief bio about you but I know there's a, a little bit more to the story and when I meet someone for the first time on the podcast I like to collect their entrepreneurial journey so would you like to fill in some of the details to how you came to be doing what you're doing now from you know being a banker to being a small business owner to living in Costa Rica
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well I always joke I tell people I have a a bachelor's degree in pain and a master's degree in suffering (laughs) just because, you know, I've had that entrepreneurial bug since a pretty young age. I mean, when my parents went on vacation when I was eighteen years old, I bought fourteen candy machines on a credit card. You know, that was my first harebrained entrepreneurial idea. And I didn't have, you know, the maturity and the focus and the vision yet, but I had that enthusiasm even while well, I was still in high school. And so I've always been fascinated by entrepreneurism and, and all of the things that go along with it. So, uh, but what, for me, I went down the traditional path in the beginning, you know, get a good job, you know, do the right thing, work somewhere for 30 years, Josh, and everything will be warm and fuzzy. But for me, it never quite was warm and fuzzy. And so I went into the mortgage business. I ended up moving over to banking and uh, had my securities licenses and, you know, everything about it was respectable and normal and it was a good path for a young man but i didn't like it and i I like finance but i didn't like my cubicle and the little tie that i would wear it was like it was choking me and um when my wife got pregnant when we were 25 years old i that that was my big epiphany moment of saying you know what I got to go for this. It's now or never. I got to do this the right way. So that's when I started that, that cleaning business, um, which, which is a weird business, but it it worked out great. You know, my own mother wouldn't talk to me for a week when I did that because she was terrified I was going to ruin my life and Mm. which we we joke about now because my mother's amazing. Um, but that's kind of how I got going in entrepreneurship.
2: Right. Right. And so many things you said resonate with, uh, Lots of people who are listening, lots of people who may or may not consider themselves entrepreneurs, but because they've either had the the courage to step outside the cubicle or not. You know, some people, we we listen to our parents and society and we follow the path that everyone says you're supposed to follow, just like you did, just like I did. But there are many, many times throughout life where that whole thing, the mantle of it chafes, you know, and you're wiggling your shoulders and wishing you could get out from under it because it's just not satisfying. Not that being an, I mean, being an entrepreneur is more satisfying to people with an entrepreneurial spirit, but it's not easier. It's actually much harder than going to a, a job every day where someone else is worrying about all the details. But yeah,
0: absolutely. still, there's something
2: about it. It, it. You're either called to it or you're not.
0: Yeah. One of the quotes I like is (laughs) being an entrepreneur is like jumping off a cliff and building a plane on the way down. Yes. (laughs) And it feels like that sometimes. There's no doubt about it.
2: Right. It absolutely does. Well, thank you uh, for sharing that story. The threads. um, Every time I collect an entrepreneurial journey from someone, the thread is always woven through. You know, it's that same thread of um, it's probably that adventuresome spirit that got people to come to America in the first place and get on those covered wagons and keep moving West. You know, it, there's just something that calls them. So in, in terms of our, our small businesses and our local economies here, I'm, I'm sure because you've actually lived it and because you now help uh, small businesses and and service-based businesses in the local marketplace, You've seen a lot of examples. Can you share for us in your opinion why so many small businesses fail in terms of their marketing? I mean, we know that I I believe more small businesses close every year than begin, but still small business is the backbone of our economy. What are they doing wrong with their marketing?
0: Well, there's definitely a lot of things that we all do wrong. And one of the big ones is that we quit. You know, we quit the band before we get a record deal. And, you, you know, if you stay in the game, you, you can probably make it through, even if you're making some mistakes. But people run out of cash or they don't have a clear vision. I think that one of the biggest things is that they don't have a clear why, uh, meaning that, you know, we, we we start a business to escape something else rather than to begin something else. So we don't like our job. We don't like our situation. So we say, I, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to start a business. But the people that, I, that are around me that succeed, that win, that are crushing it, they have very clear destinations. They have very clear focus destinations. It does not mean that it's easy, of course, but they know exactly where they want to go. And in regards to marketing and failure, I think it has to do a lot with what I call buffet-style marketing. Mm-hmm. Small businesses have a tendency to do a little of this and a little of that and try a little of this. And we always tend to do just enough to fail. Right. And so we don't take enough. I call it massive action. You know, if you're going to market or do something to generate phone calls and to scale your business, you have to do something deep rather than wide. You have to take something and hit it really hard with a lot of massive action, Uh, whatever you're planning on doing to market your business. Do about ten times as much of it as you're planning on, and that'll be a good place to start.
2: Oh, that that's an interesting tape because I'm I'm very fond of this analogy. I use it all the time uh, with people, and that is that you you hit oil by drilling one 100 foot deep well, not a hundred one foot deep wells.
0: That's right, exactly, and, true. and it's the same
2: thing. Although it's easier to dig all those one foot wells and hope that you get lucky. That's what we keep doing, you know. It's like to the gambling we table. We keep hoping we'll hit it. You know, you buy the lottery ticket. Oh, maybe I'll hit it this time. But that's not really the hard work involved in being successful. We wish it would all be easy, but it's not. You have to spend the time to dig much deeper than that. And that's what you're saying about the market. I never thought of it in terms specifically of marketing, but you're right. The resources could probably be much better spent. By cutting away 90% of what you're doing and focusing much more deeply on the 10% of stuff that you either enjoy or you know uh, can work for you or you know whatever your metric is for having chosen to do it in the first place, as opposed to somebody telling you, oh, yeah, you should be doing this.
0: Yes. And, you know, the old economy, you know, my parents and my grandparents' generation, we, they were told and they told us to work really hard and that's how you succeed. Uh, but that's yes. not true. I mean, you, working hard is, is great and it's a good, admirable thing to have. And I work hard. Uh, but the reason that we, we've had success in our businesses, the reason I have a software company, I've been able to move to Costa Rica, the reason that it worked for us is because we coupled working smart with working hard, you know, and doing a little of this and a little of that it just doesn't work and you don't have to be a genius to figure this stuff out but All of us have some sort of basic way that we acquire a new customer and whatever that is for your business you need to go very very deep you know an inch wide mile deep like you said and you need to do about ten times as much activity in that area you don't need to do lots of stuff to generate revenue you need to specialize in something and then hit it really hard as fast as you can for as long as you can couple that with a with a really good reason why you went in business and a passion for getting out of bed and you're gonna be just fine and you're gonna do really Really well.
2: Right, right. I, I agree with you totally. See, everyone, this is why I was so excited to talk to Josh today, because I knew from reading his bio that there was going to be a synergy here that we were going to be able to talk about topics that were really going to resonate for me personally, but are going to help you as a result. So now, now I have a difficult question for you, right? Because n- people don't necessarily like to talk about this. But you personally... What do you think is the biggest mistake you made as a small business owner?
0: This – this is a good question, and the answer is simple. Like, trying to do everything myself, uh, not not uh, not understanding the real value of a team. I mean, I love to study history as a hobby, and if you look at the Industrial Revolution, and you know, people were getting jobs and they had three shifts and they had a third shift, and everything was changed. That wasn't normal before that. You know, factories and and yeah, the safe yeah. and secure job, and the company will take care of you. Yeah, right. Um, that whole time period is really interesting to me. Um, but the thing is, is that employees back then they were not valued they were not you know invested in they were a commodity they were throwaway. Right? right that's why there's so many workplace deaths and it was a terrible time in a lot of ways but now you see the way the world is now with millennials and a lot of the new talent coming up the chain is these people want to be a part of something and and, and i'm not being overly dramatic okay because this is true with local small businesses as well i remember uh, when I finally had this light bulb go on, that I needed to lead my team rather than manage my team, that I needed to inspire them and, 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 and invest in their lives and understand what they want. You know, Zig Ziglar says the best way to get what you want is to help other people get what they want. And with a small local business, it's absolutely unbelievably powerful when you have this mind shift and you don't view employees as, commodities that you can uh, if you don't do it my way or the highway you can i'll find someone else if you invest in a team and you're all rowing in the same direction your business will absolutely blow up in a way that you can't ever explain uh, without doing that it is the key to having not just a fun business but a profitable large business
2: right and that makes me think of of one of the first things you told us and that is knowing why you're in business not starting the business or being in business because you don't have any other choice you have to know why it is you're in the business that you're in because that can help you get up every morning when things are a little tough when it, it feels so, like so you're many failing people don't know more. that
0: I'm I'm sorry. I'm just so passionate about this. People don't know what they want. They don't. Everybody knows what they don't want. I remember talking to my sister when we were younger and she had like a boyfriend and she didn't know she should marry him. And I said, you know, what do you, what do you want in a husband? Well, I don't want him to do this and I don't want him to do that. And I don't. No, no, no. What do you want? And yeah. people can very oftentimes not answer that question because. We don't give ourselves space to even think about it, but it's absolutely the starting point or else it's going to be a lot harder.
2: Right, right. Now, we were talking a little bit before we um, started recording the interview about my my target audience. I told you that I'm I'm a baby boomer. And when I started my business back in late 2007, 2008, I found, as would be normal, that the people I was networking with and people I was doing business with were my contemporaries or even older than me. That was my, you know, sort of work set of people. And I became aware that the technology shifts that had been happening were confusing to a certain segment of them. And I think now everyone would agree That the technology and the internet and social media and all these things that have happened in terms of how we relate to one another and how we do marketing are important, but the technology can still be confusing, I think. So talk to us about, in your view, how important technology is, even at the local, because there are local businesses will say, but none of that applies to me. I'm worried about the people walking down Main Street. Explain to them why the technology is important.
0: Well, if you want to have your business for more than the next five years, you need to pay attention to technology. If you're planning on selling or closing it down or retiring in the next couple of years, maybe we don't need to go down this road for you. But uh, the train is moving, and we're seeing a major global shift in the way that we do business, the way that consumers relate to merchants. Everything is changing, and and whether you like it or not, it's going to keep changing. So if if it was 1995 and you thought, well – internet thing silly it's a fad I'll give you that that's easy enough to understand but in 2016 you know the train is moving quick and you have to get on the train now that doesn't mean you need useless technology in your business or you have to pay for all this stuff to make everything more complicated than it needs to be you definitely do not need to do that what you need to do though is understand how you can leverage simple tools to save yourself time, to increase your customer loyalty, to create more revenue—there's a lot of stuff out there, and it's a broad topic because every business is a little different. Um, but you got to wake up. The analogy I like is when Henry Ford mass-produced the automobile, and when that was first happening, I, there there must have been so many people saying, "Oh, this is you know the fad. You know nobody's going to yeah. drive around in this big metal thing, and yeah. you know it breaks all the time." But you know, so you had companies making you know horse buggies. And they probably thought, oh, we're fine. This is a fad, right? Well, yeah. they were wrong and they don't exist anymore. And so you need to get to the other side of that, <laughs> you know, yeah. mentality yeah. so that you can not just survive, but thrive. People don't pull their phone books out anymore to look for you. So don't renew your phone book ad when it comes due, you know, dig in and educate yourself. Yes, it can be confusing if you're a boomer or if you're older, you weren't raised with this stuff. Absolutely. It's intimidating, uh, but it's not even close to impossible. You just, have to create a little space to to go through this stuff a little bit each week and you're gonna be fine
2: I, I agree with you now you invoked the past I, I love those examples so tell me prognosticator of prognosticators what do you see in the future for small local businesses
0: well I see you know uh, a lot of automation. I see a smaller teams, you know, even with the fast food, um, you know, the human stuff is being replaced by, you know, uh, software and human jobs are being replaced by software, but that doesn't mean, Oh no, there's no jobs. It means there's other jobs making the software. There's other jobs selling the software to the businesses to use that are replacing the person with the software. So, you know, when cell phones came around, You know, it didn't kill the landline phone industry. It created a new industry. So the future for small business technology is just hand in hand. I mean, that's what it is. Loyalty programs, gift cards, you know, tracking purchases, doing exchanges. Even little itty-bitty merchants and retailers have access to tools That only the billion dollar companies had, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, There's little punch card systems and all kinds of things you can do. You can automate your follow up. You can send thank you cards. You can do lots of weird stuff with technology. And so I see things getting more synergistic, more harmonized. Also, Google is going to play a humongous role. It already does, but it's going to become even more in the very near future. Of any type of service business, you know, they're yeah, trying to they're trying to get in the game of being a marketplace, being a an in between between customers and contractors. And so you need to understand the algorithm changes. You need to understand your online reputation, uh, because what's going to happen in the future is if you're a fly-by-night business or you're someone who doesn't really do a great job, uh, you're going to get squeezed right out of the marketplace because you can't hide from that stuff and you can't be a a pretender anymore. Everything will be online. More and more people are reviewing companies. This stuff isn't going to stop guys. It's going to get even more prevalent and it doesn't have to be a bad thing. If you, Put yourself in a position to capitalize on it because a lot of small businesses are completely asleep at the wheel and not worried about this. So if right. you can get ahead of it, you're going to win by understanding these things.
2: Right, and, and don't, listeners, don't get overwhelmed by that idea. I know that that Josh is um, adamant about business systems and automation being an important part of even a small local business. But when we when we say system, it doesn't have to be complicated. You can be as complicated as you want. You know, If you love all that, fine. Get as complicated as, as you want and automate it as you want. But a system can even be as simple in the beginning as a checklist on a piece of paper. How, how do we deal with this particular scenario, this type of customer when this particular thing happens, and have a system in place? Because that's how you're going to start to tackle um, the technology ultimately helping you do these things.
0: Well, I have a little secret for you. I have okay. a real a good gold nugget, and and sometimes this this blows people's minds. But everybody listening to this right now, even if you don't have a business yet, okay, everybody already has systems, and there's some confusion about systems because people say, well, you know, I don't I don't want to deal with that. That that word is boring. I yeah, don't, they think no,
2: equipment no, no. and.
0: Well, the thing is, is I'm not proposing. Hey, you don't have systems now. You should put systems in place. That, that's not the argument, okay? Everybody already has them. The way that we think, the way that we engage our spouse, the way that we invest in our children, the way that we talk to our employees, the way that we do our business, generate leads, all the stuff that we do every day is a system. It's a pattern. It's a way that we're intentional with something in our life. And so the question is not, should I have systems? The question is this, are the systems in your business serving you well right now? Are they delivering you your why? Are you living the thing that you said that you wanted when you started your company? Because if you're not, that's okay, but let's fix the system. Let's take a look at what you're doing because something's off and we need to recalibrate it.
2: Right. Right. I love that. So I have one last question for you. In fact, I like this question so much. I may from this day forward ask every guest this question. <laughs> All right. What is the best epiphany you ever had in your business?
0: For me, it was before I started my small business. I was working, I was only 22 years old and I made $10,000 for the first time in one month. And and, and that's like $2 trillion to a 22 year old, Right. right? So I was doing well, I got my check. I was excited for about seven minutes and then nothing. You know, I just, it didn't quite do it for me, but I had worked so hard to achieve this, you know, this accomplishment, but it left me empty. And so really I realized that it was not about money. I know it sounds cliche, but all this business stuff, it's not about money. It's about serving Others and about serving your family. I'm a family man. I have four kids. And really, that has changed my whole perspective. If you focus on delivering value to your customers and delivering value to yourself and your family, really, that's what a business is. It's a machine that's supposed to deliver value to you and to your clients. And it's not about the money comes. Focus on the machine. The money follows after it automatically. Right. Uh, and that was the biggest epiphany that I had.
2: And it's sometimes hard for people to think that way because we've been taught that work is synonymous with money right you work so that you can have money because you need money because you need money because you need money money because everything's about money right and we have this sort of mindset but life wasn't always that way i mean it's not that long Mm -hmm. ago that life money didn't exist really people worked all day long but they didn't make any money. They worked all day long to um, engage with their neighbors, to provide for their family, like you said, to build a life. It's just that um you know, after the the industrial revolution, right, the what we think of as work has changed and the way we're compensated for it has changed. Yeah. But the industrial right.
0: revolution the Industrial Revolution has trained us that one hour of our life is worth a particular amount of pieces of paper, right. a particular amount of dollars. But that's not true. And the fact with the new economy, one of the big shifts is people don't hire each other anymore based on the hour. We, we're starting to hire each other based on results. So it's not just about working hard, it's about can you accomplish what I need done quickly and in in the right way. And, And so pricing is changing. You know, we view, the old generation views everything in dollars for hours the new generation wants results, and that's why a lot of software developers, you have a lot of 23-, 24-year-olds making a couple hundred thousand a year making iPhone apps. Right. It's because they're delivering high value in a short period of time, and the market needs it. it. It has nothing to do with dollars per hour. It has to do with can you build this tool I need, and when can I have it by? Right. And I think right. that's a fascinating thing to watch.
2: Well, I have really enjoyed speaking to you today because we're we of similar mindset, so it's always fun to talk to someone who uh, – you know, is sitting in the same choir as you. <laughs> it makes uh, makes life very enjoyable. And I am greatly appreciative of your time today, Josh.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor.
2: Now, how can people find you and um, find out how to get your services or engage with you? Where should they go?
0: Well, you can just go to sendgym.com or you can go to the App Store and download sendgym It's just a simple uh, mobile app that we made that lets you send thank you postcards to your customers after you uh, meet with them. Uh, It's pretty cool. And you can uh, send an email. There's a contact information on the website. Just go to sendjim.com.
2: And uh, listeners, I I mean, you know, I always tell you if you're on the treadmill, you're driving, no worries. You don't have to stop to write this down. We'll include the link in the show notes uh, on how to get in touch with Josh. And it's S-E-N-D-J-I-M. Dot com. Send Jim. I don't know who this Jim is, but I have a feeling he's very busy. Um, sending these postcards all over the. Place. So that's a great idea. I'm going to check out the the app, and I assume I can get it from uh, Apple or Android, right? That's right. Yeah, both places. So it doesn't matter whether you're a an Apple convert like I am, or like my husband, you're you're working on the Samsung. You can get the you can get the app for yourself. Send Jim. So I will include those notes. Josh Latimer, I am very happy to have met you today. So thanks again for your time. And those of you listening, remember, every Tuesday afternoon around 2 p.m. Eastern time, Eastern U.S. time, we release a new episode of Act Local, Marketing for Small Business, where I have a great guest like Josh Latimer who shares these golden nuggets so that you can pick them up Put them in your pocket and move your business one step closer to prosperity, to the life that you want to live. So until next time, I would very much like you all to take care.
1: Join Kalen for more marketing madness each week on Act Local Marketing. It will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Act Local Marketing for Small Business goes live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern and can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and at actlocalmarketing.com have a question for Act Local? Email Kaylin at ask at actlocalmarketing.com. That's A-S-K at actlocalmarketing.com. And she may answer you right on air. Make sure to include your name and business website for a free shout out. Don't forget to tell your friends and colleagues about Act Local and leave Kaylin a review at the iTunes store. See you next time on Act Local Marketing for Small Business.